0: He is risen. He is is risen risen indeed. indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the wonderful news about Easter is that it doesn't end on Easter Sunday. In the church year, it's just the beginning of celebrating Easter. So today we have an opportunity to hear the words where Jesus appeared to the disciples and of course Thomas. Hear again these words from the Gospel of John. Now eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Here ends our text. You may be seated. Clive Staples Lewis, or better known as C.S. Lewis, it's been said that he is one of the most well-known Christian authors in the 20th century, if not the most well-known authors in the 20th century. His books, such as Mere Christianity, The Screwtape Letters, The Problem of Pain, and of course, The Chronicles of Narnia, which includes The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, have become instant classics over the decades. But many of us, because he has become such a big name, forget that at one point C.S. Lewis was once a dedicated atheist. He wasn't just someone who didn't believe in God, he was someone who did not want to believe. Lewis later describes his conversion to the Christian faith as someone who was brought kicking, struggling, trying to find any way of escape and to not believe in God. Here are a few words of the night where he finally believed in God. He writes in his autobiography, You must picture me alone in that room, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even from a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. That which I greatly feared has at last come upon me, In the term of 1929, I gave in and admitted that God was God and knelt and prayed, perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England. C.S. Lewis describes his conversion to the Christian faith as if God was closing in on him and finally as if God was saying to him, Lewis, put down your gun and let's talk. Today in the church year we arrive and we hear about Jesus' resurrection appearances to the disciples and of course to Thomas. Thomas, really, as one of the disciples, has developed a rather unfortunate name, hasn't he, over the years? We don't just call him Thomas, we call him what? Doubting Thomas, right? Which, on the one hand, is quite unfortunate. I don't know many of you here who would like the term doubting in front of your name. I sure wouldn't want to be called Doubting Adam or something like that. But on the other hand... The term doubting may not be, strong, be, may not be a strong enough word to describe Thomas' faith at the time that Jesus appeared. You see, when the disciples told Thomas that they have seen the Lord, he didn't just say, well... I doubt that, or I'm not sure if that's the case. No, he says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. This was not just Thomas questioning his friends. Thomas didn't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Thomas wanted real, physical Touchable evidence, and if he did not get that, he would not believe. Maybe you know someone who's like Thomas in your life, someone who doesn't believe in God because they just don't see him at work in their lives. Or maybe you have uttered words like Thomas where, unless God answers your prayers or unless God gives you a sign, you just cannot believe any longer. And if that's you, I think you can take comfort in the response that Jesus gives to Thomas. Because what is amazing is that Jesus comes again, appears to the disciples eight days later, and appears to Thomas. You see, in those days, what was enough to establish truth? And it's kind of similar to our legal system today. You needed at least two witnesses. And if there were at least two people who were there at the event, that was established as a fact, as truth. Well, Thomas... He had at least ten people, ten disciples, ten of his friends who told him that they have seen the Lord. Plus, the women who saw Jesus rise from the dead on Easter Sunday at the tomb, Thomas, in all purposes, should have believed. He should have trusted his friends that Christ rose. He had more than enough evidence. And the disciples and Jesus could have said, Thomas, I said I would rise from the dead. Believe me, the disciples said so. They told you that I rose. But Jesus doesn't do that. You see, when I was a a kid, a little bit younger, there was always one phrase that my parents would use, either my mom or my dad, that if I knew, if they said this phrase, I could argue with them no longer. Whenever I would say, Mom, why do I have to clean my room? It's fine. Or Dad, why do I have to mow the lawn or help you pull weeds? Or why do I have to eat my vegetables before my dessert? I couldn't stand that one. You know what they would say to me? If they wanted to answer my why questions and not have me argue with them any longer, why do I have to do this or that? Why can't I do that? They would say, Adam, because I said so. (laughs) Maybe you kids here, a lot of them who came up, maybe have heard your parents say that uh, many times and maybe for good reason. And parents, maybe that phrase has been your friend, because I said so. And that's the end of it. Now, the reason I bring this up is that Jesus certainly could have given Thomas the same type of response. He could have said, I said so. I rose from the dead. The disciples said so. Believe in me. But he doesn't. Instead of saying, I said so, he says, peace be with you. And he shows, Thomas's, shows Thomas his hands and his side And Thomas could do nothing else but confess, and I can only imagine, probably got down on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. You see, Thomas didn't see, and he did not believe. But once he saw, he could do nothing else but confess that his Lord Jesus rose from the dead. What does that mean for us today? We as believers in 2019, years after Christ's resurrection, what does that mean for us? We certainly don't see the same way that Thomas does. We don't see Jesus' resurrected body physically like he did. Many of us have been taught in the faith, growing up either by parents, grandparents, teachers, maybe pastors. What does that mean for us? Well, what's amazing is that in Jesus' response to Thomas, he also addresses all future believers. Jesus says to Thomas, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus is talking about you and about me. And he's calling us blessed because we have not seen, but we still have believed. And we certainly are blessed, aren't we, as Christians? Now, whether you celebrated Easter last week here at St. Lawrence with the beautiful day we have with all the music and the flowers, I can still, as I'm sitting here today, I can still smell the fresh smell of the flowers. What a beautiful day Easter Sunday is. And the joy that we have as we celebrated as Christ rose from the dead, that he is risen, sin has no power over us, death has been defeated, and that we have the promise of eternal life with our Lord. What a celebration. We certainly are blessed as Christians. But I don't think by calling us blessed because we have not seen, I don't think Jesus is saying that we never see him. I think that's far from the case. You see, we see Jesus many times in our lives. One of them that comes to mind is when we gather in his house. When we're here today in worship, because what does Jesus tell us? Whenever two or three are gathered in my name, I am here among you. Jesus is here among us today as we gather here for worship. And what did we all just witness? The wonderful baptism of these beautiful children. We see Jesus at work. Who takes these children who are born sinful like we all are and washes them clean. Gives them the Holy Spirit so that they may live in faith and obedience. We see Jesus a lot in our lives. And it also isn't just restricted to Sunday morning. You see, we also see Jesus many times throughout our everyday lives, the Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. And I think two ways in particular that I want to point out that we see Jesus in our lives. Two ways. First, we see Jesus in others, and people see Jesus in us. What I mean about that is not too long before Jesus was crucified, he tells the disciples a story and talks about someone who fed the hungry Clothed those who were naked and those who were sick, took care of them. And he says something amazing. He says, As you have done it to the least of these, you have done it unto me. Wow. Do you know what Jesus is saying there? He is saying, If we do, if we help people that normally society looks down upon, it is the same thing as if we are doing it unto Jesus. You know, I've heard that passage many times growing up, but it never really hit me until I was on a mission trip towards the eastern side of Kentucky in the Appalachian Mountains, a very poor part of our country, almost, almost third world conditions. And someone in our group said, do you know, have you seen Jesus in the people that you are serving today? Can you see Jesus in their face as we serve them? wow. We have the opportunity to see Jesus in other people that we help. And those people, and not only those people whom we help, but people see Jesus in us. This living hope that we have as Christians is called to shine forth in our lives. Can people see Jesus in you? Can they see that there is something different about you? That you have some type of hope, some type of faith that keeps you going, chugging along in this life, and that keeps you, keeps you in the faith and trusting in God. You know who I'm talking about. Wonderful Christians who have been with you in your life, whether it's been a loss of a loved one, or whether you've been ill or sick, those Christians who come and sit beside you long after you tell them you can go and you say, I'm fine, you can leave. But they sit with you. They sit in the mud and the muckiness of your life way past when they could have left. How can you not see Jesus in those people? And that's the opportunity we have as Christians. As Thomas saw Jesus and believed We can see Jesus in others, and others can see Jesus in us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Yeah, we're pretty blessed, aren't we? Even though we may not have seen, but since we believe, how many chances do we have to see Jesus in our lives? Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.